0: I think I got my mic on. Yeah, I hear it now. Uh, It's good to see you tonight. Glad to have those of you that are joining with us there uh, online, whether you're on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, any of those. Be sure uh, to like, to heart, to share. Uh, any of those that you're on there if you need to give us a prayer request for tonight the only place we'll see those live is on Facebook I'm following that on my device here there'll be some others that will be also Uh, so go ahead and make that comment there Uh, go ahead and share that prayer request so that that way it'll be there when we get uh, to our prayer time I want to encourage you also if you have access to the internet and also want to welcome our phone live uh, streaming people who are uh, listening on their telephones uh, tonight also want to remind you, if you can go to our website, go to Church.com. It's under the info tab that you can download the worship bulletin, the children's worship bulletins. Uh, and you can also download the prayer list. Uh, and those all should be uh, back to the way you're used to seeing those. And so I encourage you to take the time to get those downloaded. You can send those children's worship bulletins. You can send the link to anybody you want. You can print it and give as many copies out uh, as you want. If you need a paper copy in person... There in the windowsill to my right, uh, the bulletins are at the doors uh, as you leave uh, tonight. And then also just want to remind you, while you're there on our church website, go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. You can do that online giving. Uh, You can also do that in person, the offering envelopes. Uh, are still at the doors and the and the back there, uh, as well as at the windows. We have our pink ones all throughout the sanctuary in the windows. These are for our golden offering for Tennessee missions. So I encourage you to be praying about giving to that, as well as using the prayer guide uh, to be praying for uh, all of our missions work across uh, the state of Tennessee. And then while you're there under that info tab, don't forget to get your prayer list uh, downloaded. And if you need that in person or somebody comes in late, make sure they get one of those. They're on the front pew. So brother Mike.
1: Brother Jim made a reference to this last week in the service, this this very song, so I think we're going to sing it tonight. Rock of Ages, cleft for me, 342. It's Pat. Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee and the blood from thy wounded side which flow be of sin a double cure save from wrath and make me pure not the delay
0: Thank you. And thank you for those of you who joined with us online. We were having a little bit of difficulty with our technology stuff, and so we've got that straightened out, I believe. And you can uh, be sure to make those comments there, sharing the prayer requests that you may have uh, on Facebook. You can make those comments and share them on all all the other platforms. We just won't see it uh, for the live service uh, for tonight. So as you take a look at your prayer list, hopefully you've got that downloaded, you've got that in person. Uh, We went over the entire prayer list last time, so we won't be doing that this time. But just to kind of give you a few highlights of a few things uh, that are going on uh, with several individuals. Uh, Jim Hess had shared with us, and I think we may have shared this last Wednesday night. I know at least uh, he was here this past Sunday that David had his—I think he's got two more uh, now—treatments to go through. And then they're looking at the end of October, 1st of November— uh, to do the surgery. and so uh, on his heart there. So remember uh, him and that's with this cancer at, at the heart there, the, the, one of the uh, vessels there uh, that it's at. So remember him, remember Jim as he's traveling a lot. I uh, want to remember uh, Mark Raymond as he continues to heal, Carolyn Waller uh, as she continues to have some medical issues, Phil Henderson's doing great, uh, recovering great from his uh, knee surgery, uh, Miss Sandra Wells, still don't know anything about her uh, surgery that's been postponed uh, because of her insurance, but do want to keep her in prayer, she's still having those issues there, um, anybody have an update on Miss Jewell, I know she's been having her tests, but Okay, so she's still having the problems, Miss Jewel is, and still trying to do those uh, tests, so keep her in your prayers. Uh, Miss Hilda Corley is also having some tests. She has one this week, another one next week, and then the following week, so keep her uh, in your prayers as they're trying to figure out uh, what's going on with her also. And then Bill Warren, Miss Faye called us this afternoon and let us know that uh, he's not doing as good at home right now. He's having... Um, some uh, pain uh, as well as uh, some other reactions there. And so the the doctors have uh, prescribed some medicine for him and then hopefully he won't have to go back to the emergency room. If he does, they'll have to do a scan of his lungs to make sure there's no fluid building up on his lungs and stuff. So we do want to continue to keep him uh, in our prayers as well as his brother who's on the other side, Wilbur Warren, want to remember him uh, in your prayers too. Uh, And then, we also had Miss Donna Adcock, who's on that side of the members there, as well as Ken. We've added him back to that. To any update on them, just same as last. Okay. And so, uh, just to share those with you, so you can hear those online. There, uh, Ken Agcock is going to the doctor tomorrow to see about when they're going to do his shoulder surgery. Um, also, Donna Agcock's sisters, her sister uh, Janie, we mentioned last week was they were urgently needing to get her into a nursing home by the end of the week. Well, that didn't happen, so they're still looking for one that's in Nashville. So keep them in prayer as they're still looking for that. And then Terry, her si- other sister, Terry Parrish is back in AFib, and they're gonna have to shock uh, her heart. So uh, keep her uh, in your prayers. And then you'll notice at the bottom of the friends and family side there, Brother Mark Smith's uh, Father Don Smith. We've had him on the prayer list for some time, but we got word this afternoon that he is almost near death's door. So be in prayer for Mark and his family uh, as his uh, father would be passing on. His father knows the Lord, and so he, he's at peace with that and understands that, but Mark is on his way was on his way today and I'm sure is there by now in Charlotte, so in the Charlotte area. Any others that we need to add to the list? Any other prayer requests? I do mention, uh, I'm assuming I have permission to share this one, but Miss Susie Barton had fallen a couple of weeks ago uh, now. Uh, she had had to go to the hospital, but she is back at the nursing home and they've got some uh, special things they're doing for her to keep her from, from following, following again. So uh, I think she did something to her uh, neck, as well as uh, another one that's on our prayer list, Miss um, Beverly Daniels, uh, who's further up on the Highland Baptist Church family side. She um, cracked or broke ribs, two ribs, and so uh, she's dealing with that, with the healing of that, so, uh, as well as the recovering from her cancer. Anyone else? Yes. What's her last name? Pilkington. Pilkington. And her first name was Don. No. Okay. So remember, Don Pilkington, uh, her son uh, suddenly passed away from an illness uh, this past week. So uh, keep her in your prayers. That's very difficult anytime anyone loses a child. Any others? The blood work has been fine.
1: It's so within the safe then my nephew, Jake Campbell, he's still just got a lot of rehab, but they've released him to drive, so he's making some progress. He's just going to have a long
0: stand at rehab. Okay. So Oliver Nagy, who's on the friends and family side there, you'll notice uh, we were just getting the report from Pat. This is her great-grandson. He is doing well, and so we can remove him off the prayer list, and then Jake... Uh, who has been doing rehab, is still doing rehab, but they've released him at least to drive and so be in prayer as he continues to progress there uh, through his rehab, but things look well for him too and for the future. Anybody else? Okay. Well, let's uh, let me check Facebook. Yeah, I don't see any on Facebook there. So, uh, if you do want to share a prayer request later, that is totally fine. We'll ch- try to check at the very end of the service to make sure if there's any there on Facebook. Uh, and you can do that. You can call the church office anytime uh, to let us know, and we'll put a prayer request on the prayer list here. So let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight, Heavenly Father. We just want to thank you for who you are, for the many blessings that you've given to us, Father. We thank you for. Uh, sending your son Jesus to down the cross for our sins and that's where we want to begin Lord Uh, aside from acknowledging you for who you are and that you're the great and mighty God who's created us who loved us who sustains us Uh, Father, we come before you to confess our sins before you because we know that your word has told us that if we regard or hold on to sin or iniquity in our hearts, uh, if we don't deal with that sin for asking forgiveness and repenting and turning away from it, you will not hear our prayers from heaven. We won't have effectual, fervent prayers. And so, Father, I pray that uh, you will hear our prayers tonight as we come first uh, to confess any sin. Lord, take the light of the truth of your word and shine it into our hearts to reveal any sinful thoughts Uh, any sinful actions that we've had, uh, Lord, any things that maybe we haven't done, that you've commanded us to do. Uh, Father, I pray that you would forgive us and wash us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Wash us and cleanse us, uh, Lord, and, and set us on the path of righteousness, following your steps, following you each and every day in every decision that we make, that we might not stray to the right or to the left, but that we might keep our focus always upon you and obeying you and following you in your word. And Father, we know we can't do that in and of ourselves. We need the power of the Holy Spirit within us, so we pray, Lord, for you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. And to use us and to bless us. And Father, as we come to you in prayer tonight, there are many that we've mentioned on the prayer list tonight, many updates, even of good things that we hear, of great reports of those who are receiving your healing. And we just want to give you the glory and the honor and testify and praise you, Lord, for who you are, that you have divinely intervened in these people's lives. Lord, I pray that they will see that in their lives, that it was you who was there to bring that healing. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom and discernment that you've given doctors and nurses and caregivers and those who take care of us. And Father, we ask you that you would bless them for their faithfulness in in serving and ministering to others in that way. But Lord, we ultimately know that you are the great physician, and so we just continue to place many others uh, in your hands, uh, looking for the miracle of healing in their hearts and in their lives. Lord, you know that along with that, As we do, there are many other needs that come along with that. Sometimes emotional needs, sometimes family needs, sometimes financial needs, sometimes other spiritual needs. Uh, Maybe even the greatest spiritual need of coming to faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So, Lord, we don't pretend to know anybody's heart uh, that's on this prayer list. Uh, So, Father, we just want to uplift them to you and ask for you to send your Holy Spirit to speak into their hearts, to wrap them in your loving arms and let them know that you are with them. Father, I pray that if they are not saved, that you will use these situations they're going through to cause them to to begin to think about their eternity and where they will spend eternity. Father, I pray that you'll uh, just speak truth into their hearts and their lives, send people across their path to share the gospel with them and Father, I pray that you would use us in whatever way that we can to be an encouragement to them to point them to Christ. Lord, for those who already know Christ as their Savior, I just pray, God, that you will uh, wrap your loving arms around them. Uh, Lord, just sustain them and strengthen them during these times, uh, especially, Lord, those who the healing may not come yet, Lord, that they still may have a ways ahead, and some may still have some, some terminal illnesses, Lord, that the ultimate healing is for them to be with you in heaven. So, Father, I pray that... No matter where those individuals are on the spectrum of their health, Father, I pray that you will walk with them, that you will embrace them, that you will make your presence known to them. Lord, that you'll show your power to them in a great and mighty way. And Lord, I pray that you will give them in their hearts a peace that passes all understanding that as they're going through the illnesses that they're going through or maybe even facing death's door or those family members that we're praying for who have loved ones who are uh, about to die. Father, I pray that you will just uh, send a presence of peace that passes all understanding into their hearts, to let them know that you are with them. And, Father, I pray that you will lead them and guide them and walk with them through the valley of the shadow of death. Walk with those who are going through difficult times until they come out on the other side. And, Father, we just pray that uh, you will be glorified and honored in each one of these individuals' hearts and lives. Lord, we know that your word tells us that your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. And so, Father, we pray that you will shower each and every one of these individuals with your grace and fill their hearts with your mercy and your loving kindness and your goodness. Father, thank you so much for being the good God that you are and for loving us, Lord. We are not always faithful to you, and so we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sin as we repent and turn away from those things. Father, use these situations that these people are going through to bring others even to faith in Christ. Maybe you've got a Christian uh, who's in a hospital or a nurse home, and they're surrounded by uh, those who are caregivers around them and those who are medical staff around them who may not know Christ, use their witness and their testimony. Lord, we pray that you'll be with our youth uh, who are studying your word in another part of our building. We pray, God, that you will give them a hunger and a thirst uh, for the truth of your word. Father, we pray that you'll raise up a godly generation of young people. We pray for our children uh, who are here in Awana tonight. We ask your blessings upon them. We ask your blessings upon all of our workers in youth and Awana, and we ask God for you to just uh, pour out your spirit upon them, give them the words to speak to those children and those youth, uh, to encourage them to faith in Christ. And Lord, we pray that you'll keep us all protected. So bless us tonight as we come to study your word again in the book of Zephaniah. Father, I pray that uh, we'll see the relevancy for where we are in our hearts and our lives today. Father, may your word be alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, I pray that it will pierce our hearts to convict us of sin, to bring us to the place of repentance, even as we study this second chapter about repentance tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen and amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Zephaniah. If you're wondering where in the world is the book of Zephaniah, uh, if you'll find the Gospel of Matthew, which is right there at the very beginning of the New Testament, uh, you just turn back four books. Uh, they're very small books, so it could be about, I think it's about 20 pages or so in my uh, Bible. Uh, it would depend on the size of your Bible and the print in your Bible. The larger the print, the more pages. So. <laughs> So some of you are having to turn a lot of pages to get back there. (laughs) But Zephaniah chapter 2 is where we're at tonight. Last time we heard Zephaniah ask the people, as we saw there in chapter 2, do you have a hiding place? And we learned that you need a hiding place when the storm comes. All of chapter 1 was about God's uh, judgment. And we're going to see more about God's judgment The first chapter was God's judgment on His own people. It was on Judah and Israel, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. In the second chapter, the judgment He's speaking about is on the rest of the world, on the other nations of the world at that time. So Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 1, down through verse 15. So we learned that about the hiding place, that we need a hiding place when the storm comes. And then we move into the second chapter here of Zephaniah. And in the first three verses... You have this call to repentance. And so that's why I've entitled this message tonight, A Call to Repentance. And that is indeed what it is. Uh, we see Zephaniah is speaking the word of God, calling the people to gather themselves in repentance. And then verse, uh, the, the verse that we glanced over last week we'll see here uh, at, at verse 3. So beginning verse 1 uh, down through verse 3, uh, we're looking here at God's judgment begins in the house of the lord so this is where the judgment begins it begins in the house of the lord so he says gather together yes gather O shameless nation before the decree that takes effect before the day passes away like chaff before there comes upon you the burning anger of the lord before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the lord seek the lord All you humble of the land who do his just commands seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Now, those three verses really, if you notice your Bibles, uh, the chapters and verses didn't come until much later. When they were originally written, uh, Zephaniah didn't write it with chapters and verses. Uh, So really these first three verses uh, are a part of the ending to the judgment upon the people in chapter 1. And so that's what we're seeing there. And and we barely glanced at this verse 3, Uh, talking about that we needed to seek the Lord. Uh, Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the Lord, that you may be under his protection, hidden from the judgment uh, is the idea there. It's kind of the reminder of what happened to the nation of Israel when they were in Egypt. Uh, and Moses is getting ready to lead them out of Egypt, and all the plagues had come. And God sends one more plague to kill the firstborn of every uh, it, person that doesn't have the blood on their doorposts. Uh, and that's where Passover for the Jewish people came from. And that was a, a celebration to remember that as they put the blood on the doorposts, the death angel passed over, and their families were spared. Well, that was a uh, that was the the steps of repentance that they were to take. Uh, they were hidden, if you will, from the judgment uh, of. God in that time, uh, those who had the blood on their doorposts. So we're going to hold verse 3 and come back to it uh, a little bit later. Uh, and, and so he begins here in the house of the Lord. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17 says this, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, What will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And so that's important for us to understand, you know, so often we think about God's judgment coming upon those who are wicked, those uh, those who are without Christ. But the Bible tells us over and over that God's judgment begins with His people. It began here in the Old Testament with His people, the Israelites, the, the northern kingdom Israel and the southern kingdom Judah, and in the New Testament it begins with us as the church, as believers in Jesus Christ, which explains why Zephaniah started in chapter one with judah but now he explains the day of the lord is not only going to affect god's people it's also going to affect the gentile nations Surrounding Judah. And so even though they had never been given God's law like the Jews were, the Gentiles were still responsible before God. So you think about those who are even around this world today who've never received the Word of God, who who haven't had the Word of God to read in their hands. The Bible tells us that God has revealed Himself to us in creation and in our conscience. Romans chapter 1 tells us about that. And so we have responsibility Ability, uh, to, to worship the Creator. Furthermore, these nations hadn't always treated the Jewish people kindly. And... And so now the time has arrived uh, for God to judge them. Now you'll notice he begins to list in verse four some of these pagan cities. He lists Gaza that's going to be deserted, Ashkelon that shall be a desolation, Ashdod's people that will be driven out at noon, and Ekron shall be uprooted and following. And when you read down through those verses, which we'll come back to here uh, in just a moment to look at those even in more detail, you will notice that those cover the four points uh, of the compass each one of these groups that we're going to look at through the remaining part here of chapter uh, 2. So it reminds us, when you think about what we're going to look at here, it will re- remind you of Amos when we studied the book of Amos uh, and God pronouncing the judgment of God on the nations in the four points uh, of the compass. He's going to talk about Assyria, this in the north. He's going to talk about Cush, this in the south. Uh, he's going to, and we'll talk about who they are in just a moment. And then he's going to talk about Moab and Ammon who are in the east. And he's going to talk about Philistia, uh, the Philistines in the west. And that's what he's mentioning in verse four is Gaza, Ashkelon, Ashdod, and Ekron. And in fact, he's listing them in order from the south, moving up towards uh, the north. If you know, you see some of your biblical maps maybe in the backs of your Bible. And so he begins with the judgment on Philistia, and that's what we begin here with verse 4, because every one of these cities is a part of of Palestine. Every one of these are a part of the Philistines' uh, rule and reign. And so he says in verse 4, For Gaza shall be deserted, and Ashkelon shall be a desolation, Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, you nation of the Cherethites." Now, the Cherethites is another name for the Philistines. Uh, In fact, if you was to look at the maps of Israel in the backs of your Bible, the part that's along the Mediterranean Sea, that's where uh, the Philistines were. That's where their ten cities, the Decapolis is what they call it. There were ten cities of the Philistines. So they're on that edge uh, in the valley areas uh, there uh, towards the sea. And so that's why he says, Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, you nation of the Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. And you, O seacoast, shall be pastures with meadows for shepherds and folds for flocks. The seacoast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which they shall graze. And in the house, uh, houses of Ashkelon they shall lie down at evening, for the Lord their God will be mindful of them and restore Their fortunes. So, what I want to take the time to do as we go through each one of these sections is to kind of give you a little bit of history of who these different groups are. To understand why is God bringing judgment upon these Philistines? What did they do? To deserve uh, God's judgment. Well, they had been the Philistines had been enemies of the Jews way way back uh, in the in the book of Genesis in Genesis chapter twenty and twenty one and chapter twenty six way before David ever fights Goliath and slays Goliath uh, with, with the sling and a stone. Uh, so that's way back before then. Uh, as they were coming into coming through the land, there uh, the Philistines were against them. When you go back to the book of Amos, where we studied in Amos in Amos chapter 1, verse 6 through verse 8, they took the Jewish people captive from the cities in in southern Judah, and they sold them to other nations as slaves. But the time would come when their populous cities uh, would become empty, God's saying, and their land would be desolate. So in other words, it's kind of what we read in the New Testament, you reap what you sow. Uh, and you may so you may sow it later uh, than you than you you may reap it later than you sow it. Uh, so you may not reap it right this moment. And that's what we see, is they did all these things over and over and over again against God's people. Uh, and then uh, God had to send uh, prophets who prophesied to them as well, like Amos, uh, about the Palestinian, about the Philist- Philistines and the Palestinians, what we know them today uh, as. Uh, he says they're coastal cities that have been made wealthy by their, their shipping enterprises. All that's going to be destroyed by their enemies. All of that's going to be left. In ruins. Uh, in fact, what we find in the Bible is that Nebuchadnezzar uh, invades Philistia and conquers it, and the only remnant of that great nation that's left today uh, is, is the name Palestine, uh, which comes uh, from Philistine. And so the Jews, he, the Bible says here, are going to inhabit the land of the Philistines when the kingdom is established, uh, when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom, and the Lord is going to enable them to live in peace. Now, in the New Testament, that's where the disciples and the, and, and the priests and the scribes uh, lost the focus. They thought Jesus was coming to set up his kingdom then uh, to overthrow the Roman Empire. He came at first not to do that, but to come as a suffering servant, to die on the cross for our sins. So He came the first time as a suffering servant. When He comes again, He is coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so here is uh, Zephaniah who is prophesying, saying that He is going to come, He's going to establish His kingdom, and when He does, then the Jewish people are going to inhabit the land, then they are going to live in peace. How do we know this is a prophecy that's still yet to be fulfilled? Is there peace in Israel? No, not at all. And, and it never has been uh, since the days of this. And so even when Jesus uh, was, was living, uh, there wasn't peace in uh, that area. And so Zephaniah is later going to have more to say about this when he describes the kingdom blessings in chapter 3 when we come back to that next week. And so we see the judgment that he's going to bring on the Philistines for all the atrocities that they have brought upon uh, the nation of Judah and the nation of Israel. Secondly, he goes on to talk about uh, Moab and Ammon, the judgment on Moab and Ammon. You see that in verse 8 down through verse 11. So we'll read it, and then we'll come back and and look at who Moab and Ammon really are. He said, I've heard the taunts of Moab in verse 8, and the revelings of the Ammonites, how they have taunted my people and made boasts against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom, and the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and a waste forever." The remnant of my people shall plunder them, and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. This shall be their lot in return for their pride, because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome against them. He will famish all the gods of the earth, and to him shall bow down each in its place all the lands. Of the nation, so when it says there uh, that he is gonna uh, he is gonna be in he is gonna be awesome against them, uh, it's kind of like what we think of today in terms of battles that have been fought over there. Shock and awe—that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be a shock and awe from the Lord uh, upon Moab and Ammon. So, who are Moab and Ammon? Who are the Moabites and the Ammonites? If you go back and you look, you'll find that they descended from and originated from Lot's incestuous relationship with his two daughters. Uh, You'll remember that God brings the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, For their wickedness uh, rains down the fire and brimstone upon those two places. But before that, God had sent an angel uh, because Abraham had been interceding, had been praying for uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, if if we can find uh, 50, Lord, if we can find 20, Lord, if we can find just 10 people there uh, who, who will follow you, will you spare your judgment? And God said, I'll spare the judgment if you can find them. But they couldn't find them. And so God's judgment was going to come. And the angel of the Lord was sent uh, to lead Lot and his family out. And you remember the story, if you remember the story of Lot uh, and his daughters and his wife, uh, the, as they're going out across the valley, Lot's wife looks back. And what does she turn into? A pillar of salt. Uh, because she turned back. Uh, looking back to the old ways, looking back to Sodom and Gomorrah, and they had been told, don't look back. When you leave, leave this place, go to the mountains, get away from this place as far as you can. Uh, And and if you look back, judgment is going to come upon you also. She looked back, she turned into a pillar of salt. So now it's just Lot and his two daughters. They're up in the mountains, and here's Sodom and Gomorrah, the places they've been living in all this immorality there. And the two daughters, they're beginning to think, How are we ever going to have children? And so they they are sitting and eating and drinking with their father, they give him more drink and more drink and get him drunk, and they sleep with their father. And from those relationships with his daughters come these two children, one named Moab. The other name, Ammon. And all throughout the history of Israel, they hate the Jews. Uh, They're they're a thorn in their side. They're hateful enemies to them. Uh, They're arrogant nations who the Bible says here, Ammon and and Moab, you're going to end up just like Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's why the connection there, because they had that family history that came from Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, You're going to wind up just like them, wiped off the face of the earth. No more would uh, would they insult either the nation of Israel or the God of Israel himself. Amos gives further evidence of their wickedness and and their inhumanity of these two nations. When you look at Amos's, uh, and we read that already and have studied Amos already. So once again... Here's Zephaniah, the prophet, who promises that the Jews are going to occupy the land of their enemies when the kingdom is established. So he's talking about a time out there in the future. So there's going to come this judgment on Moab uh, and Ammon. And so he's talked about uh, Philistia, which is in the west. He's talked about Moab and Ammon, which is in the east. If you uh, remember your geography there, Philistia is over here by the ocean, over here close to Jordan, uh, the nation of Jordan. That's where Moab and Ammon is, uh, where we know modern day uh, Jordan as. Uh, And so now he moves uh, to judgment on Cush. Who is Cush? Well, if you remember any of your history about uh, the Bible, this nation is located in the upper Nile region. So that would indicate they're who? Egypt. Uh, So verse 12 goes on to say, You also, O Cushites, shall be slain by my sword. And so this nation is located in the upper Nile region. Some think this references Egypt, as we said, another longtime enemy of the Jews. Uh, In fact, uh, in this time when Zephaniah is bringing this word, Israel, previous kings, had made relations with uh, Egypt to come against Assyria, to help them fight against Assyria. And they were making uh, alliances with all these other nations when they should have been turning to God rather than turning to other people and other nations uh, to deliver them. They never did that. They always were turning to other places. And and so uh, Cush, Egypt, they were enemies uh, of the Lord. So it was kind of like they would say, Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll protect you. We'll come and fight for you. And then sure enough, when Uh, the tide turned and uh, the Egyptians, the Cushites would get their way, uh, then they would also turn against uh, the nation uh, of Israel. It was Nebuchadnezzar and the swords of the Babylonian soldiers that conquered Cush, that conquered uh, Egypt also in your history books. And we're going to look more, we won't go too far into the Cushites because we're going to look more at them when we come to chapter 3 because there's a lot more to be said about the Cushites in chapter 3. So we'll come back to them even more. So we'll move on to the next judgment, which comes on Assyria. We see that in verse 13 down through verse 15. So verse 13 says, And he will stretch out his hand against the north. So Cush was in the south. He will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. And he will make Nineveh, a desolation. Now, we've already gone through uh, the the previous book back before Habakkuk in, in the book of Nahum and in the book of Micah, and we had seen in both of those about Nineveh itself. Remember, Nineveh was the one that was related to Jonah's story. Uh, that was who Jonah was to go and to prophesy against of God's judgment coming. They repented. They turned back to the Lord, uh, and judgment didn't come upon them at that time. But, New kings came on the scene a hundred years later about. Uh, They had turned away from the Lord once again. And so uh, God had prophesied judgment that was coming upon them uh, in the book of Nahum. Well, here again is Zephaniah who's speaking about Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria. And he says, "...he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. And he will make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like the desert." Herds shall lie down in her midst, all kinds of beasts. Even the owl and the hedgehog shall lodge in her capitals. A voice shall hoot in the window. Devastation will be on the threshold, for her cedar work will be laid bare. This is the exultant city that lives securely and said in her heart, I am and there is no one Else, What a desolation she has become, a lair for wild beasts. Everyone who passes by her hisses and shakes his fist. Well, notice what Assyria is saying here. We've already studied about Assyria before uh, in, in Nahum's book also. Uh, and we studied about Assyria to learn that they boast it. Uh, they said, we've got such a huge city, a a fortified city. They had been the dominant power. They had been a ruthless people uh, who were notorious for their pride and and for their cruelty to their enemies. Uh, A century and a half before, God had sent the prophet Jonah as we said, to the Assyrian uh, capital city there of Nineveh to warn them of God's judgment. The people had repented but those successive generations we said had gone back to their old pagan ways and you read in history that Nineveh was destroyed in 612. And so all this that Zephaniah is speaking about happens uh, decades before uh, Nineveh is actually completely destroyed here. But uh, so we see within a few years here, uh, the once great Assyrian empire simply vanishes away from the face of the earth, and Zephaniah saw it coming because Nineveh thought we've got this huge wall around our city. Nobody's been able to defeat us. We're we're the big boys on the scene. We're the superpower, if you will, of the world, and nobody can take us down. Her, Her citizens were careless, though, and they were carefree when Zephaniah made his predictions, but God brought both the people and their city down into the dust of defeat. Notice what they said in verse 15. This is the exultant city that lives securely, that said in her heart two words. Do you see those two words? I am. Who is the I am in the Bible? God. And that's in essence the kind of pride that they're having in their life. They're saying, we are. I am God. I am the God of my life, and there is no one else. And he says, you're going to be destroyed like, and, and de- desolate, made desolate. So there are some lessons of God's judgment. We're going to come back to chapter verse 3 here in just a little bit. But there are some lessons uh, of God's judgment we need to see. Because all of these predictions that Zephaniah gives us, every single one of them came true. Since the predictions about the destruction of these nations all came true... It ought to seem reasonable to us to assume that Zephaniah's other predictions will be fulfilled also, because he doesn't just talk about God's judgment. That's one of the things when you look at the Old Testament uh, that that gets accused of the Old Testament so often is it just seems about judgment all the time. Judgment, judgment, judgment. No hope, no grace, no mercy. And yet over and over and over we see God's mercy, we see uh, God's hope. We see God's grace in these Old Testament books, in these minor prophets that we're looking at uh, for us here. And so all these predictions came true. All these judgments did happen. And so if those things happen, it's reasonable for us to think that the other prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled will be fulfilled. Each one of these local invasions and defeats was a precursor to the end times day of the Lord, which is going to come on the whole world. But when the day of the Lord has run its course, Israel is going to be delivered, and the Lord is going to establish His kingdom on this earth. In the last chapter of his prophecy, Zephaniah is going to talk about how the day of the Lord relates to this promised kingdom. That's what we're going to see in chapter 3. But before we leave Zephaniah 1 and 2, we have to notice that there are some practical truths that we can apply to our lives today. First is this, is that God judges his people when they deliberately disobey his law, his word. So we read that earlier, judgment begins with the house of the Lord. We are his people as believers, New Testament believers today, and we're to be different from the nations of the world. Uh, We're not to imitate their ways or worship their gods. In fact, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, do not be conformed To this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so that is a warning for all of us as believers today. Don't be conformed to this world, because judgment begins with the house of God. Secondly, God's promise to Abraham still stands. The promise to Abraham was this. Those who bless Israel, God will bless, and those who curse Israel, God will curse. And the nations that sinned against, the God, against God by mistreating the Jewish people, they were wiped out, uh, and, and, and God judged them. And then another truth that we can learn to apply for our lives is that God's Word is true. And it will be fulfilled in his time. So, so we as God's people can stand on the truth of God's word. We can claim the promises and know that our God will be faithful and God's enemies can be sure that his words, words of warning carry costly penalties. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Some people think if I, if I don't believe in God, that, that makes me immune to God's judgment. I don't believe he's there, so I'm not going to experience God's judgment. No. It doesn't matter whether you believe in God or not. You, you aren't immune from the judgment of God. None of us are immune from the judgment of God. The only difference between believers and non-believers, between Christians and those who are not Christians, is that those who are Christians have trusted in Jesus who took the judgment of our sin upon Himself so that we could spend eternity with Him forever, having that eternal life with Him. And so we aren't immune from God's judgment. We just receive the gift of grace through what Christ did on the cross, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. There is a holy God who will pronounce His judgment on pagan people. So let's go back to that one verse that we still haven't looked at, verse 3. And I want you to see the call to repentance. Because this call to repentance in verse 3 springboards you way over to the very end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. So, having delivered a warning of judgment against Judah in chapter 1, Zephaniah implores the nation to repent nationally uh, in verse 1 and verse 2 and personally. In verse 3 as we read there so verse 3 said seek the Lord all you humble of the land who do his just commands seek righteousness seek humility perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord on the day of the judgment of the Lord Uh, they were doomed for judgment in the day of the Lord so they're commanded to gather together In repentance, to seek the Lord. That's the language of of true repentance, of renewal, of regeneration. And he says, perhaps you will be hidden because Zephaniah is using a play on words here uh, with the meaning of his own name. His own name meant hidden in the Lord. And so the truth that we need to understand is that even in the midst of the most disastrous of judgment scenes, the mercy and the grace of the Lord is still available to a repentant people. What's interesting about God's warning is that in Zephaniah's day, the people of Judah had grown deaf to that periodic warning of the Lord concerning judgments coming, a prophet would be sent, judgments coming. In fact, when we read in the New Testament, we find out that that prophet after prophet had been sent, and the people killed the prophets. They didn't want to hear what those prophets had to say. And they grew deaf to the, to the warning of God. Occasionally, we find, God took extreme measures to shake them out of their complacency, but to no avail. For example, he cut off entire nations and cities that we're going to see in chapter 3, including Israel as an example of the judgment waiting for them. He did that, though with the desire that maybe they would, that would cause his people to receive his instruction before it was too late. And yet, despite the Lord's every effort, Judah remained stubbornly rebellious and sinful, refusing to listen to the Word of God. There were princes, prophets, judges, and priests who persisted in their evil ways, oblivious to God's urgent warnings of the danger ahead, talking about the judgment of the day of the Lord. All that is just like the days of the great tribulation that's spoken of in the book of Revelation. Now, I didn't get a chance to get all these verses on the screen for you, but I'd encourage you to jot these down as we go through so you can go back and look at them and see the relevancy to what we're seeing here, the warnings that come at time after time after time, and the stubbornness of people who will not listen and will not repent. So Revelation chapter 2 verse 21 says this, "I gave her time to repent. Over and over, God gave the nation of Israel. Over and over, God gave His people time to repent. Over and over, God gave this world time to repent. When you go to the next verse in Revelation 22:2, it says, "Behold, I will throw her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent, Of her works. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Remember then, when you received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Revelation 3 verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Over and over, the message is repent, repent, repent. But then you come to Revelation 9, verse 20, and it says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by the plague, so you remember the plagues that will come upon the people during the Great Tribulation? The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. The next verse in Revelation 9, verse 21, says, Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Revelation 16 and verse 9 says, They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give Him glory. Revelation 16, says, And they cursed the God of heaven for their pain and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Over and over and over, God has given them opportunity after opportunity to repent in the great tribulation, and they don't. When you look at the Old Testament, He gave His people opportunity after opportunity to repent. He gave the nations around them Opportunity after opportunity to repent. In the New Testament, he's given us opportunity, opportunity after opportunity to repent. And for us today, he's given us that opportunity over and over and over again. And he said in the Great Tribulation, they didn't repent. In the Old Testament, the vast majority didn't repent. And so it says, why did he he give them that opportunity after opportunity? Why does he do that? Because here's what 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. So he's made a promise here through Zephaniah. Judgment is coming. He is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. We look at the New Testament, and the New Testament tells us judgment is coming. He is not slow to to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, Second Peter 3, 9. We, like the people of Israel, like the people in Jesus' day, like the people out there in the future in the great tribulation, need to hear the call of repentance and turn from our sin and follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the word that we've heard from Zephaniah tonight. Lord, a call for us to repent. Father, I pray that's what we've heard tonight, that you love us, you care for us, you've made a way for us. Uh, Lord, you made the way through Jesus Christ, who paid the price for our sin, who took the judgment upon himself. And all we have to do is receive that free gift of grace. So tonight, Lord, I pray if we're watching online and there's someone who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior or maybe uh, who's here in person, Lord, I pray that you will speak to their hearts to call out to you to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they would recognize that they are a sinner and they need a Savior. They need Jesus who died upon the cross in their place. Father, I pray that uh, we would not wait another moment because we don't know what the next moment may hold for us. We have no promise of tomorrow. So, Father, I pray that we would call out to you and ask for forgiveness, repent of our sin, and trust in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, believing in him. So, Father, I pray that for us as believers, Lord, I pray that we will be encouraged, that even as times seem to be getting closer and closer to the days of Jesus coming again, that we will make the most of every opportunity we have to share the good news of the gospel with the world around us before we draw our last dying breath. So enable us, Lord, empower us, send your Holy Spirit. Lord, may it not just be words that we speak, but may it be lived out in our lives. Father, we know that you are not willing that any should perish. And so help us, Lord, to share your grace and your mercy with those who are lost in this world, that they too could be saved. Bless us, Lord, as we depart tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us there online. Uh, We'll be back again Sunday morning. If you can come join us on Sunday morning, uh, you're going to receive a wonderful blessing. Mercy's Well is going to be here uh, to sing. So our service begins at 1030, but they're going to be singing about 1015-ish, something like that, about 15 minutes before the service begins. Uh, So you come, and you're going to receive a wonderful blessing from them. We're also going to have the Lord's Supper uh, after they do that first 15 minutes there. Uh, And then they'll sing some more, and then we'll have a message there uh, that I'll be sharing with you. So if you can't be here in person, we encourage you to join us online. Uh, But you're going to receive a wonderful blessing if you can be here. You have a safe week. Stay safe. We'll see you this coming Sunday.